0: Da, da, da,
1: da, bom.
0: the, Finley. Bom-ding-a-boom. Bom-ding-a-boom. the Finley! The Finley! the, Finley. the, Finley. the, Finley. the, Finley. the Finley. Finley's on film. Come on, dance. Okay. All right, bringing it. In. Morning, Tom. Morning, my fellow Finley. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing better. <laughs> better than you were? <laughs> better than I was 15-ish, 20 minutes ago. What's well, going on? <laughs> oh, well, we'll be talking about it in the course of our show here, but I uh, just got done with the... Oh, watching a movie. Oh, you oh go? you're gonna you're, you you want to refer to that? Yeah,
1: I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. so I'll, I'll, gonna... I'll yeah hold off on that. I yeah, figure we far. would. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, but we will discuss that much more in depth in, in mere moments, my friend.
1: I am um, susceptible. I, I I love free speech, especially um, in art. But I am susceptible to it. Meaning this mm, interesting. Um, even now, J'ai
0: intrigue continue.
1: Even now if I watch if I watch Goodfellows, it takes me about thirty six hours to get the A O out of my system. Like uh, walking around sort of wanting to have a pinky ring and kill I, someone.
0: I understand.
1: <laughs> so I mean I, I think that art should be free. Mm-hmm. But I I don't think that it um I think that it has an effect on people. Sure. And um, the effect it had on me in um, 1984. Oh, um, was a stripling, was this a young Joseph? A young Joseph. Um, it's very sort of Estelle Getty in um, Golden Girls, right? Like 1984, right? <laughs> but uh, she used to start those conversations like Brooklyn, 1912. Um, but in 19- Fresno, 1984. That's what it is, Fresno, 1984. So in 1984 in Fresno, I was um, I had seen The Godfather a few times, and I was <laughs> um, reading. The Godfather. I loved that book because hmm. it had a lot of juicy
0: sex parts. Oh the yeah, film yeah the, well the movie. Yeah, the, the movie had like one one out of many many many.
1: Yeah, the book really focused on Sonny Coglione's penis a lot, like how mm. what a destroyer it was, right? And
0: how his how his uh, how his mistress uh, had a cavernous vagina. I right. remember that being very significant in the book, right? And Johnny
1: Fontaine's exploits and so forth. But anyway, so I read this book, and at one point. I was reading it for the
0: second or third time. The work of Mario Puzo, by Mario the way. Mario Puzo.
1: Um, my eighth grade English teacher um, snatched it from me and put it in like, it was like the June box or the June drawer, like the, the spoils the teacher would take away and you'd get, you can get them back in June oh, from right. her desk. Mm, okay. And she, she, but she put it in there and then she scolded me that it was pornography. Hmm. And in fact, she was going to um, call my parents.
0: <laughs> i got it by the way i know your dad so i'm intrigued to well, see where this goes well right. no,
1: she didn't actually i kind of wish she had because the, the oh, what that would form have been amazing. my father would have
0: given her for taking away <laughs> a piece of literature
1: because it was
0: because your dad above all above all else was was into artist that kind of an artistic thing i mean you could yeah. count on a lot you probably couldn't count on a hell of a lot but you could certainly count on his love of the concept of free speech absolutely particularly in an artistic sense yes that would have been amazing. <laughs> so she took my. And he was
1: a lunatic, so he might have killed her. He might have. So, so she took my my puzo away. She took my puzo away. Oh, no more
0: puzo <laughs> for no you, puzo, my No, it's no more away. puzo, and no no that's a wet puzo you what got you there. Doing my puzo? Why are you fingering my puzo? So, um, anyway, so
1: I love the Godfather, and and then one of the effects <laughs> it had was this was uh, this is eighth grade. I started a, like a, a family. I started my own little um, junior high school family, like uh, all of the Godfather. <laughs> which is a little gang of my four white, knobby-kneed <laughs> friends. And what we would do is we would go out, basically... And that recess may never come. <laughs> basically, um, we went out every night um, for a certain amount of time, and we would um, lift from local convenience stores um, pints of liquor and uh, real pornography, mm. actual pornography, which at the time, the easy magazines to get were Cherry and Wee.
0: Yeah, whatever was uh, yeah, just like at that front, that, that, whatever was yep. nearest the door, basically.
1: So, so we would um, then um, take our spoils to school. We each had like a sort of a canvas bag. We kept our sort of books and the liquor and the pornography in, and we take it to school. And the janitor at our school was so crazily lazy that we could use his janitor space. Like he never even went to his janitor space. Mm. And and we set a bar. We would we would sell shots of well, like one fifty one. Fuck on really? fifty cents. Jesus yeah. man. And and the magazines which if we had paid for them were like I think $2.95 or three fifty at a time. Like the fucking greatest scheme. We here. could get ten dollars from from our you know all these sort of nerds around school who couldn't wait to get their fingers on on um, porn and booze. Porn and booze. Oh, so we shit. were making a bundle of money. Like oh. we had like just you know stacks we had of twenties of dollars. <laughs> well, we did literally to be in junior high school and to have like fifty bucks on you at all mm, times mm. was kind of a, an amazing thing. And, oh, I wish I
0: could do that now. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> it would be amazing.
1: And so I had I had this sort of big bag of um, you know contraband, and um, and I took the bus to school. Everyone knew you mm. could look over; just everyone knew what was in the bag. This huge bag of of spoils, um, and I got so cocky that when I came to school, our principal was waiting there, mm. and because I knew everyone knew what was in the bag, with with a sort of wink. I said to the principal, hey, uh, hold this for me, will you, while I go around the corner and get a drink of water? Because it would it'd be hilarious to have him hold wow. it and then hand it back to me. Oh, of course. So I came back around the corner, and of course the bag was open, and he wanted to see me.
0: <laughs> so that so my, that's because kids are stupid. are idiots. I know my life of crime was over <laughs> at that point.
1: But the godfather you know, gave me a good time, made me some money and so forth. And hmm. at that time, um, I also purchased, um, I think for like $10 – um, a pistol um, from the neighbor in the alley that didn't work, but it was just the idea that I could have a pistol. Sure, a pistol, but
0: once worked. Tape it behind the shitter. Which,
1: which by the way, was yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. And then how could you help yourself?
1: <laughs> one shot, and then I, I dropped it. Um, no, so so um, I had this pistol and. Um, I, I actually took it to school a few times. I mean, imagine now, like taking a, a non-working pistol to school. But it, well, it was going would be
0: asking to get shot right there, buddy.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> but but so then eventually, um, the, I hid the pistol mm-hmm. in um in the sort of rafters of the garage. And for some reason, my dad was poking around with a stick in the rafters to see what was up there, and a pistol um, fell down and almost knocked him out, like knocked him in the eye.
0: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) fuck. That's my... Well, the rats, dad, the rats, they're arming themselves, they're fucking dangerous, you wouldn't believe it. Those raccoons are not fucking around, Bob. Oh, yeah, I
1: just, that one, I I copped to immediately. I had to do so um, and actually, yeah, I was surprised at what little trouble I got into. I, so weirdly, my father would understand um, efforts to be cool once in a while. Right, 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 right. So anyway, that's I've had experiences with firearms after that. Um, I went shooting a couple times at a range, actually, with your father. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, after I married my second and last and best wife, Michelle, her father, who's a gun enthusiast, um, enthusiast? enthusiast, enthusiast, took me um, out shooting. I like them. But aside from the the, the ten dollar non working gun, I've never owned one.
0: All like, oh, right. What's your experience or opinion of firearms? Um, they are fun. They're fun. They're t- they? t- yeah. yeah. Oh, they're great, man. T- if you like, here's the thing. If anybody goes like, ah, pistols, have no you know, somebody who can't see the joy of shooting a pistol has never shot a pistol I guess or so. a rifle.
1: It's ridiculously fun.
0: It just is. You have a, you, you have a controlled explosive to your shoulder or in your hand. You're aiming it yeah. at something. You're blowing a hole in it. Yeah. If it's target practice, that kind of thing. I mean, you can't deny that that is fun to do.
1: I don't understand obsessive ownership, and and I'm frankly, I'm. I'm Probably will never own one in my life. I'm just not that interested. But when I've gone out or people have shown me, you know, take me out, it's fun, man.
0: Yeah, I guess to say the political climate in the United States right now is making me think that I might want to get one just I, because. Yeah. Just because, the, just because the people that are freaking me out are really well-armed.
1: Well, I tell you, Tom, mm-hmm. if I ever did own a gun and the government or anyone else tried to take it away from me, they'd have to take it out from of you. my dead. Your cold, dead
0: hands. Cold, dead and that's right. Anyway, yeah. No. Um. I, so yeah. I mean, I've and I've owned guns. I've had a couple. Uh, I, I I had two rifles when I was uh, when I was much younger. Oh, was Dad really bought way. them. Um. I uh, lent them to my brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, he he pawned them at one point. Oh, okay. Or sold them something like yep. that. So I no longer have guns. I'm a little bummed about that. Um. I I, I don't uh, anticipate needing a gun, but I don't know. There's a part of me that kind of wants one just, to, just in case I want to go shoot him. Yeah, like, but uh, if they ever tried to take it away from you,
1: Tom, what would the condition have to be that, that they would take him away from you? They would have
0: to at least get into my apartment. Take them from your... And take them from my drawer. Cold... No, my drawer is not cold. Dead. Cold in hands. hands. Cold in hand. Oh, that's yes! what you wanted to hear. This oh.
1: Transition that somebody uh, let blow by and just gotcha. continued blabbering away. Oh
0: man, are you kidding me? Uh, today my we're talking about the cold great dead hands. Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston. Everybody. Oh my
1: God, Tom! Right <laughs> past you. Charlton Heston. Mm. I, um, generally speaking, I probably haven't seen enough Charlton Heston movies. I generally like but do not love Charlton Heston. And so it was really interesting. Um, The challenge for me was that we chose two films here, one that I've seen a number of times Uh and one that I had never seen. Had never
0: seen, right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So so should we start with um, 1965's The
0: Agony? And the ecstasy. Yes, the More. agony and the ecstasy. Remember, that, that title is at least 50% correct, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I've,
1: I've seen this movie. You will have times. my chisels
0: when you can pull them from my cold, dead hands. Uh, I,
1: I, I have seen this film before and I've, I've always liked it. Mm-hmm. And you and I did something we don't normally do, which is we watched it together. Correct. For efficiency's sake. Yeah. Um, and then I guess we could talk about whether we liked it or not, but what's it about?
0: Uh, It's about the painting of the Sistine Chapel Mm -hmm. in Rome. That really is it. That's the answer. That's the full answer. I mean, you go there. There's like minor details to it, which is that Michelangelo considered himself a sculptor, not a painter. Uh, He resisted the the commission from the Pope, but it was the Pope. Pope Julius II. Right. It was the Pope, so he couldn't resist it uh, at at length. And so uh, he ended up doing it, and the movie is about how... The uh, about the relationship between Michelangelo and the Pope, and ultimately how the the Sistine Chapel got finished.
1: I guess it's about art and politics and, and yeah. war. It's got an interesting sort of thing that I completely forgotten about, and I did not care for, mm-hmm. which is there's a sort of like um, twenty minute history channel. That's like on a documentary, Michael- at the Michelangelo, <laughs> at the very beginning,
0: before the titles even right. come out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, if you're gonna like, let's, let's do a let's do a thing about like you know high Renaissance art for an American viewing public. Oh shit, we need to get some kind of tutorial on. Yeah, here. okay,
1: I grant you that, and and, yeah. and and I'll admit that even when I saw it with you recently, um, there
0: are things I'd forgotten about Michelangelo, or things that he did. So yeah. I don't know that
1: it's that necessary. It's a weird sort of. I think they no. Ever did that.
0: Well, no. I, but well, no. But here's the thing. Here's the problem with this movie overall. Yep. Okay, I'm yes. going to say this is a this is a troubled film. Yes, yes. Uh, this is a troubled film because ultimately it's two hours about interior decoration. But two hours,
1: two and a half hours.
0: Yeah, yeah. Two and a half hours about an interior decoration job. Yeah. So they have to fill it out. They have to. They have to blow it out certain things. They have to sort of it. It needs that. It needs a. You need to see Julian in a battlefield. You know the Pope Julian. I'm sorry, Pope Julius. Yeah, orange Pope Orange Julius yes. on a battle. <laughs> he will be frumpy on the top. A hot
1: dog. No. Uh,
0: yeah. just, be, they need to show you that kind of thing because it needs to fill out two and a half hours and fulfill its ultimately its concept of being an epic interior design movie.
1: Well, it's like everything else in this film to to, to some degree, like the the. The contextualization of Julius as a leader in battle right. for the church mm-hmm. could have been great, could have been helpful, right? But it's it was sort of like a half-ass
0: job, right? Exactly, it was a half-ass job. It didn't give you the actual context of what was going on with the papacy and and yeah. and Italy and all that stuff. It didn't take enough time to fill in those elements of it to make that part sufficiently interesting to to make to really excuse its presence in the goddamn movie.
1: And it happens throughout these these sort of philosophical or potential philosophical issues about like what makes art or what's the relationship between right. like the spiritual, the religious, or the political and art or what's the process and, of the art or fi- the, uh, the the fi-
0: finances the yeah. finances and art and But they're all the brought up thereof. but they're
1: never sort of like explored in in, in right. any way because right. the Correct. movie's also um, it's dry at times and extremely corny at other times. Oh yeah
0: it uh, ultimately it's it's it, you know what it is is it's banking like all of its answers on the on the beginning yeah. that opening uh-huh and the end product of the Sistine Chapel right it's it, yeah. it's i think what it's doing what i think the the uh the, uh, the screenwriter director whoever really the is the producer the yeah it basically is like saying all the artistic questions are answered by the end products yeah. of Michelangelo's work that you see
1: i guess i guess but it's it's also and that's like,
0: the greater truth
1: it, it's it's well, that's my problem with Heston a lot of times. I don't, I, I almost never believe I, Heston
0: never disappears into a role for me. Oh, no. He's always Charlton Heston. Well, he's a he's lot a, like
1: Shatner. I don't, I don't find the, the degree between <laughs> Shatner and Heston to be that
0: great. It isn't. And I'll go you one better. If you yeah. can do a Charlton Heston, if you can do a, a Charlton Heston yep. impression, you can do a George Takei. Okay. It's the over pronunciation. That there's there's it's that ridiculous. generation of actors in the sixties yeah. that came out yeah. that were simply over enunciating everything. Yeah. You know, and, and at that point it's just a matter of degrees and how douchey their actual vocabulary was. Everything
1: is corny, douchey, and overdone. And by the way, mm-hmm. I noticed something about Charlton Heston movies specifically. Does he have something in his contract where blood that never looks like blood has to be used? <laughs> it's always like a, it's like the Crayola That's, company, the, the
0: raspberry jam situation. It's going terrible. On. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I
1: mean, this is a movie that I want to like because oh, Rex yeah. Harrison, who and I do like. I to love some Rex degree. Harrison,
0: and I, and I, and there's a part of me there's a, there's a guilty pleasure part of me that enjoys yeah. Charlton Heston, but almost never for yeah. himself. It's mostly because I love the movies that he's in more exactly. than I love
1: him. I agree with you with um, the Ten Commandments, um, Ben. Ben-Hur. Ben-Hur. And Planet of the Apes, yeah. which Planet of the Apes especially because it has a sort of concept that's bigger than Heston. But yeah, it's almost like Heston chooses interesting things. I used to listen to Charlton Heston um, books on tape on uh, uh, during my community. I'm not a books on tape fan, but but it was the Charlton Heston... Um, philosophy series. Charlton Heston talks Aristotle. Talks, oh, you know, Jesus,
0: okay. not the philosophy of Charlton Heston. Oh, no, that would no. Be, not. That'd be like three, that'd be like three tape stops. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. No, because, Pussy is amazing. Because he's, in,
1: because Charlton Heston Charlton seems Heston. to be an interesting person. I would have loved to have been his mm-hmm. friend or his neighbor. He's, he's an intelligent guy. He's interested in things. He chooses scripts that are about things.
0: I don't know. Yeah, and I don't know if I could, and, uh, he and Gilbert uh, Gottfried share that, I'd say. I, I think so. Do hey, you think so, Mr. Godfrey? Where'd you come from? Oh my God! Let me tell you, you can have my chisel and hammer when you pull it from my cold, dead fingers. Oh my God, oh. Tom, what do you think of what Mr. Godfrey just said? Uh, I think I think uh, I think he's kind of a hack. He Mr. just Godfrey, my... don't interrupt, Tom. Yeah, no, stop talking, stop talking, <laughs> you fat bastard! <laughs> from my cold, dead, hands. <laughs> from my cold, dead Jew hands. Yep. Anyways, um, yeah, so I, admi- <laughs> I was saying, I admire Charles Pessen. I admire his <laughs> prod. And I'll go you one better. Yeah. I think, in you know, all honesty, I think Charlton Heston, as a friend, would be a good friend. Okay. There's something about him. Yeah. That, like, he'd strike me as somebody who would, who would back up, a, who would back up a, a decent friend. I don't know. I yeah. could be totally wrong about that. Haven't read Hollywood Babylon. I don't know any of the scandal sheet backstory on Charlton Heston. So it's, I could be wrong about that. But there's something about him that's dude
1: You know what it is? It, it, it's also... Um... It's like when when I go to a baseball game or, or some other event where I'm asked to stand up and pledge my allegiance and put my hand over my heart. It, mm-hmm. Usually, it creeps me out. Every once in a while,
0: I'll do it, and I'll have this feeling like,
1: yeah... America's pretty great. I do it, and that's a Charlton Heston moment.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then I think you're talking about the fake blood. I think in every one of his movies, at some point, he has to pull uh-huh. off his shirt and show off his yeah. not like his weird fucking macho body of the yep. '60s. Like, yeah, he's yeah. got
1: he's got 1960s good body.
0: Yeah, he's got like a great body. If you don't like, if you, like, that's, it looks like you got like tits on a on a water heater or something, got <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a water heater with nipples.
1: Okay. Yeah, and and, and, and
0: just enough fur. This is weird, man. You know, yep. I don't know. Why he needs to show off his body quite that much, but but there's. I mean, there this, go.
1: this film is it's got these sort of um, moves in it that are, are are kind of tiring. You know, um, um, Michelangelo, uh, Charlton Heston is taking forever to, to paint the ceiling, mm-hmm. and so Pope Julius, played by the great Rex Harrison, keeps yeah. asking him,
0: "When will this be finished?" Which oh no, Heston no, says, when, when, no, 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 it's right. when will you make an
1: end yes. of it? And Charlton Heston'
0: his response is always,
1: "When I'm finished." And the voice of Gilbert Goffrey. Yeah, you're <laughs> right about that. But but it's like, um, it's funny once, but it's like, oh no, this uh, yeah. is the, the, the tired sort of dialogue. Uh,
0: it's funny, and then it, then it's funny again because it wasn't funny, and then it's just, and then by the fifth time, you're like, fuck, stop, just stop, and and finish and, the. I'm like, when will you make a fucking end movie?
1: The, yes, and and um, the actress um, Diane. Um, oh, your
0: love! The, the, yeah, and here's another thing. Uh, not only with the half-ass on the philosophy of yep. of what's going on here. Yes, a half-assed love story.
1: all that, there's this person. There's this woman who I guess Michelangelo. Is this historically accurate? I don't know. who, who I you... think so.
0: My understanding is that yeah, I read the book when I was a kid. But 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 over and above that, I'm, I, he was heavily into the Medici family, and apparently. He had some kind of a relationship with one of the female members. Okay, and
1: so she's she's there as as a sort of one time love of his life, but mm-hmm. but in no interesting way. And the actresses, I mean, no offense Joe. to Miss Salento, <laughs> but but she is just, <laughs> just as sexless as they come.
0: What? <laughs> no, no, no offense to Miss Salento, to Miss Cilantro, uh, to the this hor- the horrible witch that Joe doesn't <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I mean, it doesn't just doesn't care for. She just
1: a, um, nothing, she's a blank piece of paper.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's not. Yeah, she's neither fish nor fowl. She doesn't. Yeah. There's nothing about her that's. Act, that I would agree with you on this one. Uh-huh. Uh, upon retrospect, there's nothing about her that that is sexy, really. I
1: I used to like this movie more, and it's it's one of those films that um I just don't like, I guess, anymore.
0: It's just it's just it's kind of a bore.
1: It's about it's about two hours too long. It, it's a film that I think our grandmother probably really
0: liked. Oh, of course, like it's,
1: it's you know the, the, Catholic it's the Catholic. It's one of the Catholic. <laughs> it's one of those. It's one of those heavily
0: Catholic canon movies from like the 60s, seventies. Yeah, definitely. You know, all, all, all the all the epics. Most of the epics were mostly religious based. The yeah. robe, you know, whatever. Ben Hur. Well, I all consider it
1: canon. Shoes. <laughs>
0: Uh, <laughs> do you see what he did there?
1: <laughs> oh
0: uh, boy, your Gilbert Godfrey's going off the rails. There. That's kind of lost yeah. it there. Uh, no, but uh, what do you mean? What do you mean, my boy, uh, Gilbert? I'm out of here. Wait. Uh, oh, and no, I just got confused. All right, so never mind. Yep. Um, but uh, you know, like Shoes of the Fisherman? There was like this. There was but I heavy... still like Shoes of the Fish. We should. Oh, we do. I that do but there's. Yeah. A, but that's what I'm saying, there's a. There's a Catholic. There's a Catholic cult. In the middle of Hollywood at this time period. Heavy, Mm. Heavy into the epic end. Yes. Right. Everything, yeah. Okay. I actually
1: imagine, this is 1965, I imagine that young gentleman in 1965 probably told Catholic parents... That they were taking their young daughters out to this movie mm-hmm. and got like the green light on everything. It was oh. probably a brilliant move. I'm taking your daughter to see the *Shoes of the Fisherman* mm-hmm. or *The Agony and the Ecstasy*. Um,
0: I'm gonna take. I'm gonna finger your daughter in front yeah. of *The Agony and the Ecstasy*. You know, yes. in a darkened theater.
1: Yes, and then well, and then of course the the girl would say, "When will you come to an end?" <laughs> to which the young no, man that's would the boy going, "When will you
0: make an end? Yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming." An yes. And then she'll fake it and finish the ceiling.
1: Yep. Very good uh yeah so, so what are we saying about this movie i mean it's I, we're, I from my point of view i'm not saying avoid it, you should check it out it's it's potentially quasi historically interesting, yeah, um, I, you might be interested in it there' I, are some interesting yeah. elements go ahead, sorry
0: well, I think it's it it is there there's there's a there's a capacity for interest in this yep. if you find the subject matter interesting, yep. you will like this, but it's but it, from my point of view it's just um it was just too long. It's yeah. uh, you know I can't I couldn't and I couldn't I couldn't find anything in it to latch onto and really aggressively yeah. get behind.
1: Except that Rex Harrison's always kind of a pleasure, right? So so yeah, for me Rex kind of a, Harrison is like an old Dr. Crank. Doolittle. First of all, talk to the animals. Sure, absolutely. Midnight Lace, which is not a great movie. It's it's a it's right, kind it's one of a I love. subpar remake of Gaslight, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it is a, a, a fun movie. It's a
0: fun movie.
1: I don't care for. um Oh, my Fair Lady, come on. My Fair come Lady, on. but, I mean, it is, speaking of the canon, right? It's mm-hmm. an important uh, film. So, I mean, he's, he's you know, Rex Harrison, come on. He's
0: always enjoyable. Yep. Rex Harrison is always enjoyable. Yeah. Absolutely. I You know what? So, from that standpoint, if you like Rex Harrison, go watch this movie. I'm going to say that I could just eat him up. Oh, my God. You could just sop him up with some biscuits. Yep.
1: Uh, for no reason, I'm going to transition to our next film, 1973. Oh. Well, because soylent, we're done with the other one. I think Soylent
0: the... Green. Soylent Green, yeah. yeah. And this is the movie you've never seen
1: before. I had never seen it before.
0: Okay. Well, I
1: heard about it and never seen it.
0: All right. No, let me ask you this. Did you, did you hear about it sufficiently? I mean, you could just watch The Simpsons and get an idea yep. where the movie's going to end, right? Yeah. You already Although
1: knew. The, yeah, I, I guess um, there were, I was spoiled. Spoilers were given to me throughout my life, yeah. but uh, having seen it, it didn't matter at all.
0: Oh, good. Okay. Now, it didn't matter at all in, in, a, in a sense that you didn't. Let me ask you. I mean, did you enjoy it?
1: Um, I did uh, look up a review of this film. I was just sort of curious. Um, and I found the only review I looked at, I found, was the first one in 1973, July 1973, San Francisco Chronicle By Review. By Barbara Kale. Oh, sorry. Um, and the first line um, said this. I didn't read any further because it was perfect. Um, this is a good, horrible movie. Okay. It's just a bad, bad movie mm-hmm. that was enjoyable.
0: Is it really? Let's think. Yeah, it's, it's not a great movie. It is not a great movie. It mo- just isn't a great movie. It's hard
1: to make a good dystopian novel or film, first of all. So there, you have your challenge in front of you. Right. It's hard to pull it off. Right. Um, I think that um, some dystopian films especially suffer from being produced in a time when you can't fully explore the dystopian aspects.
0: Sure. So, Edmund and O'Brien,
1: for instance, made um, uh, at the first adaptation of, of Orwell's 1984 in like 1955. Right. Well, ridiculous, because right. you can't show anything. So it's ridiculous to talk about the horrors of that government from 1984. And I think the same thing here, to some degree, and w- without getting into yet what
0: the plot is. <laughs> but um, I, I okay. So that, I'm going to go with you on that. I, I, I agree. Yep. They don't. They didn't have CGI, so they couldn't do that. I think. But that's what was, not even
1: that. It's a. It's a. If you with can't, CGI,
0: they could have done so much more. Okay. So they have to show the overcrowding by him walking out of his apartment and stepping over bodies on the stairwell, right? Right. Uh, I like the fact that it well, was. Can we
1: just pause for a second, and I'll totally go right back to your your thought, your your current thought, but but just let's talk about essentially what it is. It's it's the year twenty twenty two. Twenty twenty two. Right. So it's we're and pretty close. to everybody's it.
0: Everybody's still got the groovy seventies haircuts. Yes, a lot. Of <laughs> that's, it suffers facial. from that all. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: um, but it's New York City, and, uh, which is, has a population of like 40 million right. or something like that. And, mm-hmm. and there is no clean water left. And, right. Um, well,
0: certainly no running water. I mean, it's all, it's all very rationed out. It's There's rationed one like, spigot out. in the middle of the city. Everybody has to, you know, people go, yeah, 40 million people in New York City. And it's, this takes place all in New York City. And there, there and one are... of the things that the movie suffers from is the fact that this is a global thing, but it's all treated as though New York City was like this weird, weird little I don't mind singular that. village. I don't
1: out. mind that. A microcosm to explore the, the sort of yeah. issue. Um, there are no more food choices, which is a huge part of the film. They right. have Soylent Red and like soylent, soylent Yellow orange or something, and then yeah. and then this new one, the Soylent Green, mm-hmm. and and they're basically just sort of like plankton. This, there's um, these produced. synthetic crackers, they're yep. they're
0: made out of supposedly plankton or this mm-hmm. or that, uh, and they're the nutrition source for pretty much everybody, and, and it, it's the, except for the super wealthy. We'll get into that in a second,
1: right? Of course, there's always that in dystopian mm-hmm. um, um, literature, right? <clears throat> um, there are people living in their cars on sleeping on stairwells all over the place, right? It's it's just a, it's just a completely dysfunctional society, and made worse in its dystopia by a government that has to limit the rights and access of people in order to make things run even as badly as they do. Even
0: as badly as they do, yeah. Over overlooking the fact that anything that, that as far as my brain works, anything that had fallen this far apart, yeah, would have fallen pretty much all the way
1: apart. Yeah, I think.
0: Yeah, sure. But but grant, okay. So grant, the, grant the conceit of that. Okay. One thing I would have to say that I found really interesting and enjoyable about this movie is yep. the interior consistency. They, they work at that, and I think they rather they succeed rather well in some ways that are kind of subtle. By in,
1: I, I don't know if you mean by interior, do you mean like the sort of point of view, or do you mean like the actual sort of interior The
0: logical consistent <laughs> <laughs> The interiors do have roofs often. Yes. Uh, no, just the logical consistency of this. Yeah. Okay, in dystopian future, you, all these conditions exist and prevail, and there's 40 million people in Manhattan, so therefore life becomes cheaper. And that's and that is that is reflected even in the language. So people, the rich people rent these rent these apartments, yep. uh, and these apartments come with a with a with a hooker, with a, uh-huh. with a, with basically a complimentary whore. She's called furniture. Yeah. You know, like this is the 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 sort of the degradation of uh, of humanity or you know concepts that 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 are you know of human dignity yeah. those just those fly away in the face of 40 million people in a city. Yeah. Nobody in this movie, nobody in this entire movie is in a family. Nobody ever even talks about a family in this thing in any real sense of the word. Families have no meaning in a world in a city that of that size with 40 million people in it.
1: It just doesn't seem that interesting to me for some reason. Know, those I think aspects it kind of, of
0: it. Yeah, I think it's. I think it was kind of cool. I think it's nice. It's like those little those little things. And Harry Harrison. I didn't realize Harry Harrison had written this. He's the uh, uh, the screenplay, and it's based on a book of his or something like that. But okay, uh, great writer from the '60s and '70s. What and even in the 80s. Oh, I've never heard of him. Like his most famous one was called the sta- book. I can remember. It's called the Stainless Steel Rat, which I never got a chance to read. All right, I don't have no idea what it's about.
1: Okay, so. So, um, Charlton Heston is, is a police officer. So Indeed. he's sort of policing. He's he's better off than most people still, and yet he shares an apartment
0: with um, uh, J. No, uh, Edward G. Robinson. Edward G. Robinson. I was going to J. Edgar Hoover. Would, Robinson. Edward G.
1: Robinson. By the way, I'm, I wasn't
0: exactly clear what his job was. He was like the researcher. He the, was. A, he was a police. He was a police researcher. Okay. It was. It was the book. Apparently, uh, all, all all investigators have like. Uh, him an associated uh, a partner who's their book, the person who does like deep research on stuff.
1: Okay, and Joseph Cotton um, has a role in this, a, a small mm-hmm. role as as one of the wealthy people um, right. who essentially is murdered.
0: Right. Yeah. What's going on? That's that's the the, the the first um what do you the first thing going on in this thing the first uh, wow. friend friend <laughs> the first Shh. thing going. Shut on Shut up, this Joseph. Thing? Let the man talk.
1: Are you trying to say the first act?
0: Uh, basically the first act that m- the ball that gets moving First thing that is on his murder side. go ahead all right. so he's murdered uh, yeah he's, uh, he's murdered it is actually a set up an assassination okay. so uh, Charlton Heston appears on the scene wait of wait you just
1: sort of you just sort of mumble like that's an important thing right like yeah it's
0: an assassination okay alright so it's a hit and- it's a hit is okay. what it is so you all see right. it set up yep uh, the guy is paid in a crowbar or some fucking thing. Yeah, uh, breaks into the apartment when it's when it's right when the when the man's bodyguard and his furniture okay. are off shopping. Yeah, kills uh, kills Joseph Cotton.
1: Okay, so so basically, it, if it comes to in addition to being a dystopian story also becomes a, a crime story. Correct. And and Charlton Heston... It's a mystery, a murder mystery, ultimately. think something is awry. This isn't your normal murder, and so he wants to figure out... Plus, the guy, Joseph Cotton's character, was part of the Soylent Green like corporation. This, yeah, this comes out feeds a feeds America. This comes
0: out later on. Right? Yes. That he's part of the Soylent... Uh, feeds America, potentially the world. I okay, I think they, yeah, they imply with, that. With these sort
1: of different colored plankton protein crackers. bars. Crackers. <laughs> yeah, the, cra- bars. the crackers. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, and, and so... Um, so he's he's killed in his apartment in his luxury apartment yep. which is luxury la 1960 in 1970 whatever right. uh and uh and it's sta- and it's made to look like it's a robbery except for some reason the goddamn the the, the guy the assassin never didn't steal anything yeah which, by the way, Charlton Heston as the cop does, which is kind of hilarious. well.
1: That's the thing that happens too. but and we want to say this: the the, the bodyguard is played by Chuck Connors, Charles, sort of Chuck
0: like, Connors. If anybody could be like Charlton Heston, like his 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 body double, yeah, a lot basically. Of, Chuck very nineteen
1: seventies. Mm-hmm. Not only like the setting and the, the sort of uh, um, burly, cinematography,
0: and but but burly, also the, burly ugly good looking guys. Well, except for
1: um, the shoe salesman, a small part by a uh, Mister. I don't know. Ito, who played later on, played Sam. Mm, it was Moida Sam. Five, five. Was that him, Quincy? Mm-hmm. And
0: we're done. Thank okay, you. Thank enough you of that. that. So, enough so um, Quincy.
1: It has a lot of that. I mean, it's nostalgic for us. I mm-hmm. mean, I can recommend it basically to people who are in their mid forties for that sense. Um, but but what I don't what I don't like about it is, and I don't know how they could have done this differently is, um, you know, ve- real vegetables are this rare commodity of the mm-hmm. rich, right? Yeah. And you know, like a half cigarette is a rare commodity of the rich, and a bottle of cheap scotch is a rare. So Charlton Heston, who um, is is a uh, "Quote unquote good cop," but obviously does like selfish things, like
0: uh, oh, steals yeah. items from a crime. Scene. <laughs> right?
1: He brings home like a stock of celery and a wilted cucumber, and he and his roommate, oh and, and Robinson, and like, and
0: like a like a pound of beef. Yeah, like,
1: oh, I haven't seen beef in so many years. Emmergy Robinson this cries when he amazing. Oh, it. oh, it's just like, come on! It's just it's so badly done. Ah. It's badly acted. Edward G. Robinson, I think, probably gratefully, this was his last role. He died shortly right. um, thereafter. Um, it's badly acted. The dialogue is bad. Right. Um, even the editing is bad. The right. color is bad. The color is bad. <laughs> I do <didn't> think that, <laughs> Everything well, but, is but, bad. It, but
0: it's meant to be bad in that sense, actually, because it is supposed to be like a smogged out dystopian thing
1: meant to be bad in that sense, but it's not meant to be bad as a piece of art.
0: Yeah, and I think it is. One of the things that this movie suffers from is it doesn't go into far. It doesn't go far enough into the into the background. It doesn't give you enough of the flavor of what's going on. I would just give you a huge example. Home. You mean,
1: do you mean exposition? Isn't it, is it
0: doesn't it doesn't take enough time to really get into the exposition of things? Home. You know that. Okay, so in the movie, uh, home. Is this thing going? Is this is this uh, this institute where you go when you've decided you're tired? It's basically you self euthanize, right? And Edward G. uh, G. Robinson does this near the end of the movie. Yeah, but it's but it's it's mentioned once. Nice. It's mentioned once yeah. early on a thing I should go home yeah. and and it's not but there's no there's no explanation or lead up into it it's just suddenly he goes home and I, it kind of makes sense but they should have taken more time I think if and, I cared and show that want concept that. well if, if they had shown sort of that thing and like how that's People wanting out of the misery of everyday life—if they had taken a little more time to add the color yeah. to the rest of the movie—then then you might have cared about it. And by the way, Dick Van Patten's one of his finest oh, roles. Yeah,
1: that's right.
0: He's the technician who uh, who pulls the plug on every year. Eight is enough. Yeah. Oh, Forty million is enough.
1: Yeah. I just found this movie to be um, kind of amusing for how bad it is, and mm-hmm. I'm typically not a fan of bad is good, but it was. I mean, I was given an assignment, and given that it was an assignment, I was mildly amused by it. But it's Mm -hmm. a bad
0: movie. I don't think it's. I don't. I don't agree. I don't agree. I don't think it's a great movie. I think it's 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 and the reveal,
1: by the way, which we're not going to give because that's just not because you've seen The Simpsons, (laughs) you already know what it (laughs) is. But the reveal is not interesting. Mm-hmm. It's. I guess it's meant to be shocking, but it, were people in the theaters going, "Oh my god!" Like well, it's just. Yeah, not I think interesting everybody at
0: was at the time. But again, you've you you no. had the you had the spoil for for no, years. No, that's
1: not why. It's just not interesting by itself.
0: Really, that humans are in turn. That- uh,
1: what are you doing?
0: What are you doing? What are the, you? Oh, I know what you're, you're doing. You you're stupid a spoiler, douche. Man. <laughs> you are fucking like. Oh, okay, the, the the ending is not interesting, but then we can't talk about exactly. the ending. So yeah. your stupid, stupid point no, gets stuck. You can't, that, you can't your be, stupid point. Are you, that you are absolutely led correct. Down a
1: path. Yeah, it's legitimate to say. It We're not going to say what uh, the reveal is, dude. but that the reveal is not surprising. It's a gruesome reveal. It's definitely gruesome in the, the context is. of the
0: fucking time. Absolutely. It, I don't it's think just think so. I think it's just been spoiled for you. You're too jaded no, for that to really, really, really pierce your soulless heart. It's just not interesting. It just bounces right <laughs> off that block of coal that, you got in there. That
1: excuse that... Um, it, no, it's only uninteresting because um, it was the pioneer. Is sometimes true, but I think in this in this instance, it's not like a a, a super fascinating idea. I'm not even sure that's that original, to be honest with you. I think it was at the time. Yeah. What well, what other movie? Well, it's not about that. It's well, it's just the, the the sort of like the 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 artistic and cultural gene pool has that sort of thing, which I'm not going to mention, has that sort of thing going on in murder mysteries, and it's just like. It's just not that interesting. I think you have to. I think you have to pump yourself up to be interested by that reveal. Mm -hmm. You know, it's sort of like you know how like there there are. um, If you ever ever rent like a second rate modern horror movie, but you're just kind of in the mood, and so you sort of pump yourself up to be afraid. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a legitimate thing that people do. I do it, but Mm -hmm. I, I think you have to pump yourself up to find this intelligent. I think you have to it's not feel to be film. able
0: to worry about the future of humanity in first place. Oh, I come think that's on. where you fall apart there. But that's
1: that, that's this is a movie that, that do, in you order know, to appreciate it. You have to f- have a, 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 a heart, Joe. You actually need depth? emotional
0: depth. Yeah, that you think this is a you movie to, with emotional depth says a lot. This about is a movie me, that can actually access emotional depth and really no, make you feel it, honestly, as a fucking human really being. It really can. It's if not you're good. capable of that, if you're not, then I <laughs> get it, dirty Harry.
1: Oh my God! Is there, by the way, is Dirty Harry another movie that you need emotional depth? I think for? all How movies, about Death Wish?
0: most movies need help. Oh, absolutely!
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Joe, I spit on your graves. A movie. If you don't like it, you just don't have emotional
0: oh, depth. I've never seen. I've heard about that. I've never seen uh, that movie because I just I don't, phony I don't I don't I don't faker. I don't rape culture. I just don't do it. Sorry.
1: Um Anyway, so we have <laughs> Agony <laughs> and the Ecstasy from 1965, <sighs> which I think Tom and I are both just kind of lukewarm
0: on. Is that yeah, fair to say? Yeah, that's fair to say. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to tell you don't go see it, it's, but, but, be, but be in whatever mood is necessary to see it. Yeah.
1: No and then we have Soil and Green from 1973, which um, I didn't care for. Yes. I mean, I, I thought it was a little bit fun at times, but I didn't care for it. But Tom is recommending as a, a like, first of all, a super smart movie. And also one that really plums the emotional depths of your soul. So take take Tom's advice. I'm simply simply
0: suggesting that you have a soul, unlike my co-host over here. Well,
1: I may or may not, but (laughs) to to suggest that that this film is one with emotional depth is hilarious.
0: It's an imperfect film, but I think it's an enjoyable one. It's got some interesting thoughts, and I wish they had just explored it better. Mm. They just didn't do a great job of that. So I would recommend it, but it's the same thing. It's, it's very um, – we did not pick the best Charlton Heston, did we?
1: Well, I don't know. I don't know. You know what we did? Here's what we um, didn't do, and I think it was good. Although now once I mentioned it, the one obvious, of us is yeah. going to do it, which is the obvious like Z morning radio show thing to do about Charlton Heston, which is to do Charlton
0: Heston voice. That's Right.
1: Very good. We
0: made it through. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah, we we managed. Yeah. All Instead, right. we did a better one.
1: Yes, that's right. Um, I first of all, <laughs> I think it's a shame that he got Alzheimer's. Mm. I'm going to give him that. Yeah. And yeah. And I'm curious what Moses um, would sound like had Heston not gotten the role, but in fact, a Sir Gilbert Gottfried had gotten the role of Moses in Cecil B.
0: DeMille's The Ten Commandments. I bring you Jews, these Ten Commandments. Let my people go. Oh. Let them go, you bastard. <laughs> You're oh. my sugar. <laughs> <laughs> um, another got ep- a new character. Fuck, I'm Another
1: fine it. episode. This one was a, a, kind of a mess, but I loved it. Um, any business, Tommy?
0: Uh, yeah, well, yes, we absolutely, uh, we got to uh, go on Finley's on Film. Go check us out. Join us on Patreon, please. We could really use the help of everybody. Uh, also, uh, please take a minute, take two minutes, take maybe three, yeah. go check out <laughs> iTunes. Give us a review. We'd need a, we'd like to get some reviews. Yeah. Uh, give us a rating. Let mm-hmm. us know what you think about that. And of course we're on Facebook. Join us there. Give us, you know, interact with us. Let us know. Uh, give us suggestions for things. How about like that on Facebook? We'll take possible suggestions for future episodes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Very
0: good. I have no problem with that.
1: I love you, Tommy. No, I love you. <laughs> and I love you both.